Well, I need to start off today's message by saying that last week I made a mistake. I got something wrong. The mistake that I made was I said to you that my wife and I had almost been married for 25 years. I was reminded that we've been married for almost 30 years. Now, my excuse, my excuse for this mistake is that it's been so wonderful, it's only felt like 25 years. Anyways, today we're going to continue our series called Be a Builder. Be a Builder. Our key scripture is the second part of Psalms 127, or the first part of Psalms 127. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the labor is wasted. According to other translations, it might say this, that if you don't build according to God's direction, the labor is in vain. I believe this, unless we build our lives, our families, our church, according to God's plan, and the principles of the Bible, all of those things that we build, everything that we try to do, it just won't last. It will not remain. Over the past few weeks, we've learned this, that believers are builders, that True disciples of Jesus are people builders. And that wise builders build on the sure foundation of Jesus. Everything else is sinking sand. We also learn that we are, that we are designed to be, uh, uh, that we are God's temple, designed to carry both his glory, glory as individuals as well as a church community. And then Pastor Peter shared with us, as the church we've been commissioned to build each other up with kindness and patience. And that it requires patience and kindness to build people. Who would agree with that? It's, it's not easy working with people sometimes. You know, there's a joke that has, that's been spoken in the ministry that sometimes they'd say, you know what, I'd be a great pastor if it wasn't for the people. People are challenging. And then last week I talked about the idea that being a builder requires commitment. Commitment calls us both to protect one another and be present for each other. We cannot protect one another or help each other unless we show up. Well, today I want to carry on part two of the message about commitment and the importance of commitment. And the title of my discussion is The Cost of Commitment. Who here knows there is a cost to be a builder? It's going to cost you something if you want to build things. Now, one of the great joys I know in many of our lives is that moment when we get to own our own home. We, we, we own our own house. And I know I'm praying for everybody in this season of time, in this, this season of life. I know it's difficult for those who are younger. We're believing God's going to give you that opportunity. But I know it's something that we dream about. Because then you and your, sp your spouse, can we, you can become the, the master of your own castle. You can have pets if you want them. Maybe three pets, maybe five pets. You can pick or change the flooring, whatever colors you like. You can paint a wall or even remove a wall. You can do whatever you like, well, as long as you're able to pay the cost with both time and money. See, there are things you're told, you're not told, even if you were told, you may not have listened to it, how much it can cost to repair and maintain your own property. Let me give you an example. After we bought our first house, we had a wood deck built, which was fairly nice. 
It stayed fairly nice for a few years, and, but because of our busyness, okay, okay, our busyness, my busyness, I did not maintain it as well as I should have. I remember for about five years I hemmed and I, I hawed about replacing the deck, but never pulled the trigger because of the cost. I didn't want to spend the money. Who here's ever done something? You know you needed to do a project. You know you needed to make a repair, whether it was on your home or a vehicle or something. And you're just like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it later. Okay, you don't need to raise your hand today. Well, it wasn't a big deal until the day I left my keys at home. And so I had to go around to the back of the house, climb up the deck to knock on the window because my wife was in the kitchen to let her know that, hey, could you get my keys for me? Because somehow the, the door had been locked behind me. And as I hurriedly climbed the stairs of the deck, I suddenly found myself laying face up on the ground, wondering what had just happened. Well, after I came to my senses, I realized that the stairs had collapsed. And I had fallen about four feet. Well, why was I there? Why did it happen? Because I was unwilling to pay the cost for the repair and the replacement of the deck. You see, there is a cost to each and every one of us to be people builders. If we're going to be a builder, if we're going to be a builder in God's kingdom and in in, in raising up people in the church, it's going to require us that we have commitment. You see, to be a kingdom builder requires a sacrifice of our, our time, our talents, and yes, even our treasure, as we heard today. Even though we are not building an earthly kingdom, building God's house requires a commitment to earthly sacrifices. Even though we are building people with spiritual mortar and clay through the word of God, the work of the ministry still requires administration, meeting places, building repairs, travel expenses, food costs. I could go on and on and on. There's a cost to do things. And all these things require a real real sacrifice of time, ability, and resources. I say this, being a builder is going to cost you, but it's worth it. Now I want to say this in this next section, that I believe that builders are cheerful givers. If we go back a couple weeks ago, I shared the story about King Solomon as he built a temple to the Lord. And that temple was of God was the most expensive and majestic building ever built. I said it was worth over $40 billion in today's currency. There would be nothing like it. It, it was a, a, an amazing thing. However, what made it significant was not its opulence, was not its grandeur, was not how expensive it was, but that it was built to house the very presence of God. And it's important to understand that in the presence of God, the reason that the presence of God is so important, the reason that we want to see more of the presence of God, because in the presence of God is healing. In the presence of God is direction. In the presence of God is provision. And in the presence of God is blessing. Who would like more of the presence of God in your life? We'll continue to build his kingdom. 
See, because of what the people of Israel were building, there was incredible buy-in that led to joyful giving, not only from the king, but also from the people. I want to read to you out of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, starting in the second part of verse 5. It says, Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? And it says, Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, and the generals and the captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold. Come on, that's a lot. 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited into the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. And the people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And it says that King David was filled with joy because he oversaw the first part of the building project. So you see, what we see here is that the people were excited. The king was excited. Even the former king was excited. Because the people were motivated, the Bible says they gave cheerfully or with their whole hearts. The people brought everything that was needed. And here's what I've learned about life. When, when there is an opportunity and we, we get excited about something, sometimes in the, in the moments of, 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 of being around certain things in, situ, in situations, like I love to see when Mark and Lisa come here and they talk about the children in Haiti and building the kids' village. It's really easy to get excited about those things. It's really easy for us sometimes to become excited when we see full altars at a Franklin Graham crusade, and we're like, man, I'm willing to invest. That looks like things are really awesome. When God touches our hearts, when we hear about a family who's been in hard times, it's easy to get excited. And we can feel compassionate about the homeless person, their family, standing on the street corner. There are times when those things just hit us and touch us. However, who knows that many times and within within a season, those emotions fade. The excitement's not always there. When we see that same person on the street corner for the hundredth time, our motivation can change. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> you see, feelings are different than commitment. Feelings can change and can be manipulated. And it's hard to stay committed to do the same things day in and day out. It's tough to be motivated and make sacrifices for the day-to-day -day things of others, especially when you have your own needs and desires. And we see there is a situation that happened when it came to the people of Israel. In the book of Haggai, we see that the people had become distracted and they had lost motivation in, in maintaining this temple, temple that at one point in their history, they were so excited to build. They, they just couldn't believe that they were a part of this thing, and people gave so much, but then things changed over time, and they weren't as excited anymore. This led to some unforeseen challenges to the people of Israel. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, in the Lord sent me this message through the prophet Haggai. He said, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house, this is God speaking, lies in ruins? 
This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says to you. Look what's happening to you. Now go up to the hills. Bring down the timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for riches for harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, it blew away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy, busy building your own fine houses, it is because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I remember when I was in just out of high school, one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was skiing. Now, snowboarding was just coming to be a big thing, but I was a skier. I just got to confess that. I, I, I prefer skiing over snowboarding. And the best skiing for us was about two and a half hours away from where we lived. And our favorite run was at a place called Mount Hood Meadows. And you would go up on the top chair, and you'd go above the tree line, above where, where, where the trees would grow up onto... Actually, there was a glacier up there. And as you got off this chairlift, you'd go to this face that was about this steep, and it was about three to 400 feet, pretty much straight down, but with a little bit of vertical. Obviously, you could ski it. Now, maybe some of you are like, I would never want to do that. But when I was 20 years old, it was an awesome thing. And on our second run of doing this, I remember that my friend wiped out. He actually fell head first and just started sliding down the mountain. I mean, I was just like, oh, there he goes. There he goes. There, not much we can do. And so I, I, it was my job, and this is what you do if you're skiing with somebody. I tried to help round up his equipment, and we brought it to him at the bottom. And, 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 and everything was really great. He wasn't hurt. He was, his pride maybe was shaken a little bit, but everything was, was pretty good. And so we ended up skiing the rest of the day. It was a it was a really a good day. Well, it was a great day until it was time to go home. And we went to the car, and all of a sudden he's like, uh, Todd, I got a problem. I'm like, what's the problem? He's like, I can't find the keys. I said, well, where did you put your keys? He said, well, they were in this pocket on my ski jacket. I said, you didn't keep them in your bag inside of the, the lodge? No, no, they were in my, oh, yeah, remember when you fell down? <laughs> yeah. He lost the keys to the car. I will still never forget when his dad showed up after driving for two and a half hours to bring another set of keys. It will stay with me forever. It's always frustrating to discover a hole in a pocket when it makes it completely unusable. I think all of us have had places where we've had holes in our pocket where we thought we had some money or some coins, and all of a sudden you're like, where did it, oh no, it fell through the hole. You see, as we listen to this story that, that Haggai is sharing, we have to understand the, the context of the story that Haggai is, is talking about. Because if you remember last week, I, I shared with you about Nehemiah and the, and the exiles that they came to Israel to, to build the wall. 
Well, after they had built the wall and they were back beginning to settle in Jerusalem, this is when the book of Haggai was written. So it follows right after. It's in that same season. And so what we understand is now that the wall had been built, but the temple of God was still in disrepair. And the Bible says that they were desperately, because it would make sense if you're coming back to reclaim a land, you're coming back to to deal with things that had been difficult, you're coming out of, of the slavery that they'd been in under the kings of Babylon and the Medes and the Persians, that, that, that they were trying to just rebuild things. And so they were busy building their houses. They were busy getting their fields reclaimed. They were busy doing a lot of stuff. But it says they're ignoring the needs of the temple and the priesthood. They're working so hard for themselves, they had forgotten the importance of the house of God. And they had neglected the temple. They were doing the needed and normal activities, things that, that had to be done. Let me say this day, the crops needed to be planted. The houses needed to be fixed. The kids had to go to school. All of these things needed to be done. But it says they weren't seeing any blessing. It says they were planting these seeds and they weren't getting any harvest. They were eating, drinking, having parties, but not having fun. They were never able to enjoy their time. They were making money, but not knowing where it all went. Like somebody who has a hole in their pocket. Because the people in their efforts to rebuild their lives had lost focus on the house of God. They were not receiving blessing. Why? Because they had forgotten the kingdom vision, the plan that God had. They'd forgotten the importance of taking care of God's house and his servants. And because they had neglected giving to the temple, God felt dishonored. And because God felt dishonored, everything they were doing became difficult and unfruitful. Can I say this? They weren't bad people. I believe they were trying their best. I believe that they were doing the things that they thought they should be doing. Nobody was out here trying to, to, to dishonor God, but they had forgotten the principle of putting God first. They, they needed to be reminded that, that God needed to be first in their lives. You see, God can't bless us unless he's first. And God's design and desire for us is that we put him first, regardless of what it costs us. Now, I know this isn't easy to hear today. I know it's not easy sometimes to think about this, but I want to share with you today that I believe that today God wants to remind us of this important thing that in this difficult season that we're going through, in this challenging economy, that the way to see him go before us and to bless us and to provide for us is that we have to put him first. You see, God wasn't trying to punish them, but was trying to show them their need to trust him and put him first above all else. And we have to understand this. God always cares about our obedience more than he does about our comfort. I know this is, might be awkward, but I'm preaching the word of God here today. And here's what I believe maybe we're feeling in our own lives. Maybe you feel like you're working hard and producing little. 
Maybe you're at a job that never pays enough. I've talked to some people. I've heard about places where employers have cut the salaries of people in this season. Or you work with people that only bring you conflict. Maybe you feel like there's a hole in your pocket. Either you're always short with your money or after you save some money, here's the thing that gets me, it seems that something comes up and drains it from you. A repair that you weren't thinking about. Things that you, you, you weren't planning for. And all of a sudden, all of the work you do, it just seems like you never get ahead, like you're always going in this circle. And I know that life is challenging right now for most people, especially in the financial realm. And that's why I'm preaching this today. Because I believe that today God wants to release freedom. I believe today that God wants to release His blessing. I believe that God wants to help us in this season. I believe that God wants to make His people like the children of Israel when they were in the land of Goshen, that all around them, people maybe are struggling, but those who have put their trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords are seeing a different type of blessing in their life. But we've got to put Him first. So how do we break the spirit of lack and tap into blessing? How do we release the favor of God, not only for our lives, but for the church community. Number one, we love God's house. We've got to love God's house. We love God by caring for His house. When I say His house, it's caring for His people. We show our love for God and our obedience to Him by our obedience to Him and His Word, by understanding and living the principles of the kingdom. We love God by taking care of each other, by serving each other, and providing for each other. It's where we commit our time and our talents and our treasures to building God's kingdom through the church. We give what belongs to God to God. And I know some of you might be saying, well, Pastor Todd, I, I, I just don't have time for that right now. I just, there's just too many things going on. There's just too much happening in my world. It's just too difficult right now. And here's what I want to let you know. You There are things that are happening that are too difficult for you that you can't afford not to do this right now. I'm telling you the way to seeing God's freedom and blessing is by putting Him first. You've got to make Him number one in every part of your life, including your finances. We've got to commit our time, our talents, our treasure to building God's kingdom to the church. You see, his ways are always greater than our ways because it leads to blessing. So you have to remember, Jesus loves the church. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives. That's pretty good. We could stop right there. Listen to this. As Christ loved the church and gave, up, gave himself up for her. See, Jesus gave his life for his people, the church. Because he loves the church, he expects us to not only love his church, but to be his church. And God loves when we walk, work and walk together in community. The second thing in how we can be these people, how we can see God 
pour out his blessings. We've got to lean into Jesus. Kingdom builders understand the importance of leaning into Jesus rather than ourselves. I'm, going to hear, I'm here to tell you that it's not that God shuts off your brain and your brain won't work and you can't come up with creative ideas, but I'm here to tell you, you need to submit those ideas to God. And when you don't have any ideas, then we have to go back to just trusting on God, trusting in God, leaning into Jesus. When we face challenges, our nature is to look at our own ways. I need to work more. I need to train more. I need to save more. And it leads to sleepless nights, anxiety attacks, and without realizing it, we put ourselves first instead of God first. And slowly we begin to become self-focused or we go inward for answers. Can I say this to people that are even leaders and people that are serving here today? It's always dangerous to serve ourselves or the church out of our own strength. It opens the door to pride, lust, and greed. They are the brothers that try to keep us from what we had. I heard a sermon the other day on Facebook, and I searched for almost a week trying to find the pastor who preached it, but I wrote down the principles, and I was like, who was it that I heard that from? And here's what he said. So I'm trying to give whoever you are honor, but I, this isn't my ideas. But it says, the way to defeat uh, every, it says, the three giants every person must defeat in their lives are pride, lust, and greed. And the way to defeat these giants is through the secret disciplines of prayer, fasting, and giving. Prayer deals with our pride. It requires us to be humble. See, God says he gives grace to the humble. The reason that we pray, the reason that we ask God for what we need is because it shows humility. It says, God, I understand I can't figure it all out. Fasting deals with our lust. It's our hunger, our appetites. And God wants to control our appetites. Jesus said this, what, I am the bread of life. Come to me, I will, and you will be satisfied. He also talks about if we're thirsty, come to him and we'll be filled. And giving deals with greed. It's how we honor God. See, our attitude towards the house of God is represented as a manifestation of our attitude towards God himself. And builders lean into Jesus by seeking first his kingdom. Matthew 6, 33, we've heard this. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. How much did God say he would give to us? It didn't say something here, did it? Or, or most of the things. It says everything. You see, what we don't realize is when Jesus made that statement in his Sermon on the Mount, it was all to do with a bigger message that he was preaching at that time about not worrying about how you would be taken care of. It was the, the don't worry. In fact, in Matthew 6.25, it says, let that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food and enough drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? You see, God is saying, look, look, listen to me. If you seek first my kingdom, I will take care of you. And the reason that Jesus said this about our financial worries is because he knew that we would have financial worries. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. But God is saying, Trust me, 
Trust my ways. Trust me with your resources. Put me first. Give to me first. And I understand that there's much worry and anxiety today. I know things are hard right now. I know things are difficult. And difficult times are not the time to quit doing the right things. Difficult times are not the time to lean on our own understanding. But it's the time for us to come together, to come to commit together. You see, these are the times, I'm saying this to you as the church, that we need each other. These are the times when we need to make God's kingdom even a bigger priority. It was the way of the early church. You see, when the church was birthed after Peter preached his incredible sermon while being filled with the Holy Spirit, it begins to talk about in Acts chapter 2 what was going on in the church. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 44. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They shared everything they had. You see, we can do together way more than we could ever do by ourselves. The church or the house of God, I believe, is meant to reach the generations. It's meant to be there for more than just you and me. It's for our children and our children's children. We're not only building to reach our generation, but those generations after us. But it takes a commitment. There is a cost to our commitment. A cost of our time, our abilities, our resources, or as I like to say, our time, our talent, and our treasures. So what is the cost of commitment? It's giving to God first. Not when it's convenient, not when we have abundance, but because we say, God, I want you to understand that you are the first part of my life. We do it through our tithes, our offerings. You see, the tithes are we give back to God what's already His. We see, I understand this, that everything I have, everything I own, really belongs to God. I'm just a steward today. And so He says, will you just give back to me that part of it? And offerings are when God speaks to me and he says, hey, there's a need over here or there's an opportunity over there and I give above and beyond my tithes and I say, God, I just thank you for your glory, for giving to me and your blessings and say, Lord Jesus, use me. Like with our seed offering that's coming up or our light of star or our mission Sunday where we get to be a blessing to people. Why? Because God has blessed us. Why do we give? Because there are people that God's called us to help. We give to make the necessary repairs and renovations to keep where we gather vibrant and, and available for others. Just to invest in ministry and ministry leaders so that the gospel can continue to be preached. But the number one reason is to honor God. 
so that everyone might be blessed. So here's what I'm asking today from each and every one of us. Some of you have been awesome. You're excellent. We actually have a lot of generous people in this church that are generous with their money. They're generous with their time. They're generous with with giving of their talents and their abilities to serve people. I say this to you today. First of all, thank you. But keep going. Keep pressing in. Don't get weary in well-doing. Because in due season, you will reap a great reward. Now maybe some of us today have struggled with some things. We've been battling to keep everything going. And here's my thing. God is asking today, would you renew your commitment? Would you renew your commitment to invest in the house of God? To invest with your time finding a place to serve? With your talents, using your abilities to help and bless people? And with your resources to give, to be generous? I believe today that God wants to help us and he wants to release more good things to us. And the scripture always baffles me, but I understand it more now that God says his ways are not my ways. And when I don't understand what to do, I am making a decision and I'm asking you to do the same thing, to trust him. Put your trust in him. When you don't understand it, just trust him. And God will make a way. God, I just pray for the freedom of your people. God, I pray that every family will be blessed. God, I pray that every need will be met. But Lord, I can't get around. I, I try to, God, even in my own life, even in my own as a leader, there are times that I'm like, can I, can I do it differently? Is there, a, is there another way? Can I, can I not ask for this or talk about this? But God, your word and your principles are true. And so Lord, I pray today that you'd release. Release just a grace. A grace for people to put their full trust in you today in you today. And with heads bowed and with eyes closed here today, I just want to ask, if the Lord is, is, is challenging, if the Lord is speaking to you today and, and you, you feel like God is challenging you to say, you know what, I need to renew my commitment. I just want to, to ask you to raise your hand today. I'm not asking you to come forward. I'm asking you just in this moment to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God is going to give you a grace. Is there anybody that would say that the Lord is challenging you today? The Lord is speaking to your heart. Thank you. There's many hands coming up. This is a great opportunity for us. And so, Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we wouldn't look at our circumstances, but, Lord, we'd put our eyes on you. And I pray for every person today that's renewing this commitment to you, that's renewing this commitment to honor you, Father God, that you would just release a new supernatural grace. And Lord, even if it's tested, you give them the strength.
Father God, to continue to move forward. And Lord God, that as they move forward, Lord Jesus, that you would open up the windows of heaven over their life. God, that you would make ways where there aren't any ways. Lord, that we would have testimony after testimony, God, of your miracles. And Jesus, you would be glorified. Lord, you'd be glorified in your, their lives. You'd be glorified in this house. And God, may we see your presence come in even a more powerful way. Lord, may we see signs, wonders, and miracles in this place. May we see signs, wonders, and miracles. Lord, as we come together as your people, as we commit to each other, as we walk in unity together, God, may we see you do miracles. May your freedom come in a greater way, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen.